Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are previewing the Kansas at Iowa State football matchup that is coming up this weekend. Um, but before we do that, there are a couple different things uh, that we needed to chat about first. So, um, the very first thing, obviously, is that this weekend, you know, Friday, is also late night in the fog, beginning of another basketball season. Uh, we are going to be doing our basketball preview here coming up pretty soon. I'm not sure if it's going to be... Uh, during the bye week or if we're going to wait a little bit so that, uh, you know, we can have some of the things that we usually do there in terms of like rotation rankings and other things ready to go uh, so that people can actually have that done. But, um, you know, we, we will be joined by Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star and then also Steve Fetch, uh, as we usually are, to go ahead and actually start the season. But did want to talk a little bit about late night because I've been hearing a lot of, you know, chatter about the fact that it's run DMC that they're ringing. Um, you know, about whether the, the recruits actually care. And, you know, I, I had a couple thoughts that I wanted to, to share because I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know that it necessarily matters who the, the entertainment that comes in for late night is. You know, as we saw with Snoop Dogg, yes, Snoop Dogg last year, like everybody knows who he is. I think pretty much everybody enjoys his live shows, but that's really what it's about. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily about, you know, this is the hottest new artist that everybody wants to go see or anything like that because the recruits are really there not necessarily to hear who's performing. They're there to see the environment. They're there, you know, to get hyped, to see the scrimmages, to get a, you know, see the spectacle that's there. And so if you can bring in an act that maybe isn't the best act that everybody really, really wants to see or like the hottest new act or anything like that, but is an act that can put on a good show that can really amp up the environment that they have there and really get it set up so that the recruits have a, have a good time. Cause you can have a good time, whether you particularly like the art, like if he's one of your favorite artists or not, um, as long as you have a, a good artist, you know, one that that is going to um, really kind of make and showcase what it is that Alan Fieldhouse brings to that environment, to that raucous crowd that you have there. You know, I, I, I think it's absolutely fine who they brought. It was a big name 
you know, someone that a lot of people are going to recognize. And, you know, from everything that I've heard, they put on a fantastic show. And so that's really what it's all about. So, um, you know, I'm not too worried about it. For some reason, it seemed like everybody wanted to criticize it. And I think it has to do more with the the, the issues that happened at a Snoop Dogg and the, uh, you know, the apologies that happened that were not really that necessary. But for some reason, they decided that they wanted to go ahead and, you know, apologize for those for whatever reason. But but anyway, um, also, before we get over, we do have Levi Stevenson from Wine Right Natty Light coming on the podcast uh, to do that preview, which we'll get you guys to in just a minute. But I did want to go ahead and just go over because I realized that I went over the Olympic sport update in terms of what actually happened last week, but I didn't actually hit everything that was coming up this weekend. Um, mainly, I believe I, I forgot to tell you guys, you know, what volleyball matches were coming up this week. So, um, but in terms of volleyball, yeah, we, so we have, you know, they, they played in conference play, won their two matches last week against Texas Tech over the weekend. And actually they have, uh, Iowa state, not only are they going to play football, uh, up in Ames, but they are at home. So those of you guys that are not like me, uh, and, and going up to the game in Ames, yes, I'm actually going up to the game in Ames going to have a, an absolutely fantastic time up there. I'm hoping, um, whether they win or not, you know, I've, I always wanted to go up to that environment and kind of see what it's like and, and see if the, the, the tailgating scene is, is really as good as it's hyped up to be. And I will have a report for you guys next week. But, um, if you are going to be around here, I highly recommend that you, you know, find the time to head out on Friday and Saturday over to Lawrence, uh, to go to the Horsey family volleyball arena for where Kansas is hosting Iowa state. Um, yes, they are playing Iowa state four o'clock on Friday, four o'clock on Saturday. Both of those matches are on ESPN plus. So if you can't make it over there, at least tune in so you can support the volleyball team. Um, you know, I, I, they, they got off to a good start in conference play. They're supposed to be a fairly good team this year in the conference. Uh, you know, just kind of comparing them around. We'll see just how good they are. Let's hope that they can go ahead and actually pull off some really, really, uh, some really, really good results for them here in the next few weeks. Um, also, the soccer team, I, I did mention that the soccer team uh, has the Sunflower Showdown coming up on Thursday. Uh, that is, again, at, at Rock Chalk Park uh, at 7 p.m. tonight. Uh, that's September 30th tonight. Uh, so definitely make sure that you tune in, you know, even if you are watching Thursday Night Football, uh, you know, for the NFL. I highly recommend that you flip over at least occasionally to go ahead and, or even on a second screen because, you know, that's the, the magic of having it streaming is that so you can go ahead and have that on a second screen. Um, you know, they do need to, to get back on the winning wagon after they lost two hard-fought matches last week. But, um, you know, that's definitely a possibility with, with Kansas State coming up. And then they, again, playing Iowa State this weekend on Sunday, October 3rd at 1 p.m. Also on ESPN Plus, Kansas is traveling up to Iowa State uh, to play there. So definitely support all of the different programs that we have here. But uh, I, I do want to go ahead and get you guys over to the preview that I did with Levi Stevenson. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break so that we can hear about some of the other podcasts we have here on the 1012 Network. So we'll be right back on the Rock Talk Podcast. Are you a Big 12 basketball-obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your Big 12 basketball information? Look no further because Midwest Madness is here just for you. We talk men's and women's basketball all year long. With exclusive interviews, guests that come on to talk about each team, 
game recaps once the season begins, and so much more content you won't know what to deal with. So for all of your Big 12 basketball needs, Midwest Madness is your place to go. Listen on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And I'm joined now by Levi Stevenson of Wide Right and Natty Light. Um, we're going to talk about this and preview this Iowa State-Kansas game that is coming up this weekend. Um, but first, before we do that, I, I, need to, I need to ask you, Levi. Obviously, the season has not gone as well as Iowa State fans were hoping at this point and, and honestly expecting. Um, you know, I think kind of the general sense that I got going into the year and kind of from being over on your guys' Discord, uh, you know, is that you weren't necessarily super surprised by the way or by the actual result of Iowa just because for some reason Campbell always has so many issues with Iowa. But obviously this last game against Baylor was a little bit of a shocker. Um, what would you say, just either high level or, or feel free to go as deep as you want, like what is it you're seeing that makes it that or that seems to be the root cause of why this Iowa State team is having the issues that they're having right now? Um, well, special teams is a huge part of it because they're, I mean, they're one of the worst special teams in the units of the country. I think I saw a thing come out today that it was a EPA by special teams unit and Iowa state was like eighth worst in the country. Uh, the special teams unit has been, the special teams have been really awful this entire season. It has been for the last, I don't know, three or four or five years. Um, and it continues to be a huge problem where you give up a kick return or you give up a long punt and then it puts your defense in bad positions. And no matter how good Iowa state's defense is, which I genuinely still believe that it is a, a playoff caliber defense that it doesn't matter if you, if you keep giving them the ball at the, at the 30, 35 yard line, the defense, like they did against Iowa, the defense can push them backwards and they're still in field goal position. And they still give up points. So it's like, I mean, it's special teams. It's what it, it's special teams. Brock Purdy has been up and down. He's not, he hasn't been as bad as people say he has been. He's been like, he had, he said a couple of, he's he had a really bad game against Iowa and but I mean other than that he was he's been generally fine um and but the running game finally got going last week it seems like the offense is starting to generate at least a little bit of rhythm um it takes them a little bit to get into it I would would appreciate if they would pick it up a little bit faster um but you know for the for the defense to be where as good as it is and to be sitting at two and two is a major disappointment and it's it's turnovers and it's special teams. Now there's only one turnover against Baylor, and it was kind of a freak little tip. In her, it was a freak tip at the line um, that we obviously just had terrible luck on this year. Um, but that's that's what it is. It's which which is extremely frustrating because Matt Campbell always talks about winning in the margins and stuff like this. Well, one of the big margins is special teams. Kansas State and Iowa have both made entire programs out of being good on defense and special teams. That's what they, that's where they're really good at. I mean, better, those two teams, those two programs are better than just about any team in the country consistently at special teams. And that's why despite talent disadvantages against all of their opponents, they always do pretty good for what they have because they can, they win field position battle and they will win turnover battles and things like that. And that's what I would say is not doing right now. The defense is really good. The offense is started slow. It's getting better, but they're losing in the margins which is really frustrating when you have a coach that always talks about winning in the margins. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the thing that really jumped up because like last year to start the year and we kind of wrote it off to being a weird COVID year, you know, obviously special teams were an issue 
uh, in the first game where we, you know in, when, when they lost that that first game last year. The special teams, the special teams issues go back to 2018. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, but it's not a new thing. I mean, I, I think I think last year it was weird enough, you know, that things happened that you weren't able to overcome the special teams issues in that first game. But after that, it seemed to settle down, and both the offense and defense ramped up really, really quickly. In, in that COVID season last year. And I think most people expected that, you know, if there were going to be special teams issues again this year, that they weren't going to be this drastic. They weren't like, it almost seems to me looking from the outside that special teams has taken a huge step back from last year. And that's saying something because it wasn't really great last year either. It was pretty much a net. It was a net neutral or slightly below net neutral last year. But yeah, I was like, can I, can I bring kick returns back? He was really good. Joe Rivera was, was a, was a, a perfectly solid punter. Uh, not mind blowing, but certainly not not a bad punter. Um, and the kickoff unit was really bad, and the punt coverage unit was spotty. Um, but it just kind of is what it is. I, I'm, there's not. It's hard because it's not just one thing. It's you know they solved the kickoff problem where they're putting more of them out of the end zone, but not all of them are going out of the end zone. And when you don't put all of them out of the end zone and you don't cover the kick properly, well, then you have a kick return for a touchdown that ends up deciding the game. Yeah, yeah, and. Well, so, it's just it's it's just it's it's mind boggling. Yeah, there's, there's, so well, many, there's so many problems. I was gonna say I I'm, I'm sure you guys are gonna talk about this over on you know your podcast and your YouTube show and everything, but it, the the general sense that I'm getting is that a lot of people seem to be tracing those issues back to the fact that that Iowa State doesn't have a dedicated special teams coach. Um, like how how much do you think that that is an issue? And I mean, I guess if if you were to you know, if, if you were to have the power to go ahead and change it, like what 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 position coach would you have to get rid of in order to actually have a special teams coach that you think would be a, like a net positive for for the Iowa State staff? Well, I know, I mean, Iowa State does not have a special teams coach, and it's hard to determine exactly how much that matters because there's a bunch of teams that like it's not like having a special teams coach, a dedicated special teams coach, isn't universal. Right. I, well, even there, I think there's like five or six programs in the in the conference that don't have one. Uh, it's it's only about half the like, Big Twelve that actually has one. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily about having a guy whose job title is special teams coach. I don't know if that's important, but what, and that the problem is that is, is, you know, we're not inside the, we're not inside the walls of the practice facility in in the coach's room. So I don't know what they're teaching them or what they're not teaching them. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know that. So it's, it's a, it's a hard to speculate on what exactly is all going wrong, but they're having punts that are just about getting blocked or, or in fact, last week got a little bit tipped and it was a terrible punt or you have, um, or you have punt coverage. that's not doing their job or now you have kickoff coverage. That's not doing well. And actually last week, it wasn't the punt coverage so much as the punter who came in, which was Andrew Mevis. Um, he came in and hit just a line drive. That's like horrible for your punt coverage. You never want to hit a line drive punt. You'd rather have a high and short than long, right. long any day of the week. Um, so that that didn't do us any favors, partially because we had to bring it. So we had to bring in a guy that hadn't punted yet this season, because the guy that was supposed to be punting in his place has been really bad. Um, and so I, there's no like immediate fix for any of this because part of it's a personnel issue, part of it's I don't know if it's part of maybe part of it's a scheme issue, but part of it's definitely a personnel issue. Now, fortunately, after this season, Iowa State has a five-star punter coming in, and uh, they have a couple really good young kickers on the roster. So the kicking troubles should, in theory, start to alleviate themselves. But that doesn't change kickoff coverage. That doesn't change any of that. Like, I mean, it's not one problem, and it's not one thing that you like. It's just not. It's just a the whole unit is bad. Like, there isn't. I mean, the field goal kicking, I guess, has been fine. 
Um, not not any not any like any terrible misses or anything like that. And and you know, Mavis at the fifty four yarder against UNLV. You know, I mean, it, he's been fine. Um, but if I mean, your best unit on special teams is a, a field goal kicking unit. That's fine, and the rest of them are bad. So I mean, and that's and that's that's the Achilles heel is that right? I would say just isn't doing. They're just not. They just have almost elected to just entirely forego that third part of that that third phase of the game that is way more important than anybody ever gives it credit for, and it it, it dictates field position does it dictates a lot of different things and I would say it is failing miserably at that and it's 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 eliminating what has largely been an extraordinary defensive effort so far this season it's almost nullified the entire thing. Yeah, it's you know it's it's it. It's weird because you're right. A lot of people seem to discount just how big of an impact special teams is. But, you know, we've seen Virginia Tech teams that made their names off of being fantastic special teams. Virginia Tech, yep. You know, Kansas State, you know, does that every single year. Like back when they had, you know, Bill Snyder. I mean, look at at how Iowa won that game. They won it exclusively off of a couple of freak turnovers, a couple of some lucky bounces and special teams. Corey Taylor was was, was the MVP of the entire night, their punter. Because he was just booming like seventy yard punts and just sticking them on the five yard line the whole night, and yeah. the one time he didn't, Tariq Milton just decided to let it bounce and it still went to the ten yard line. Yeah, so I mean, it's, like, it's, he, it's he, one of those things. I, it, Iowa State let a punter beat them. Yeah, like, if, if if you're good enough on offense and defense, you can overcome the fact. But special teams, right? Of, it, but look at look look at the Chargers from two thousand eight, number one in the league in defense in the NFL in defense, number one in offense by wide margins on both ends. But, oh, we're, but the worst, but the worst team in the league on special teams, and they didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, like, you're right because I mean, special, special teams, teams is the can context. Absolutely ruin right. Bad special teams guys absolutely ruin everything, and that's why what's what's really frustrating is because the one thing that Paul Rhodes did do well is Paul Rhodes special teams were actually generally pretty good. The punting unit was always good. The kickers were hit or miss, um, but the kick coverage and the punt coverage were always superb. Iowa State did not give up return touchdowns in the Paul Rhodes era. Now he, they were bad at you know the defense was fine and everything else was terrible, but they did play really good special teams. So they didn't. That's why they were sometimes they were able to hang in with the with better teams. It's because they won field position battle and they and they got the extra yards and the extra points you need out of that special teams unit. And Iowa State is not only not getting those extra points and yards, they're giving up extra points and yards in special teams. It's a huge net negative. It can't be understated. Yeah, it it sounds looking in from the outside that whatever emphasis they put on special teams, like whoever actually is handling that duties, like there might just be that there's too much else going on for that coach because most, most teams that don't have, they do have a, they do have a special teams analyst, right? Like a, like a, like a, like a, yeah, like a, like a, uh, whatever you want to, yeah, like an analyst basically. It's not a, it's not a coach, but not an on field coaching position. Right. But they call it a special teams analyst to me, like the, the value, there is a lot of value in having an on field special teams coach. Well, right. So like a lot of places that don't have one that's just a dedicated special teams coordinator, but like, like Kansas, you know, Jake Schoonover, he is the special teams coordinator and he's the outside linebackers coach. So he like does double duty. And, you know, to be completely honest, like outside linebacker, inside line, you usually have two separate coaches for those two positions and they don't necessarily quite have as much to do typically in terms of, you know, the normal game planning and and the, the teaching. So you can find someone whose load is potentially a little bit lighter in terms of position coaches and make them, you know, and have them focus a lot on special teams as well. And then you have somebody who's actually on the field can actually coach part of during part of the game or during practices and actually provide that on-field coaching that you need. That's that's the way Paul Rhodes staff was too. We had Shane Burnham. He was the defensive line coach, I believe. And he was also the special teams coach. 
Right. And he was partially responsible for those special teams units being really good. Now, Iowa State only has – they have a defensive line coach, a linebacker coach, and then they have a, a defensive back – they have a cornerback and a safeties coach. And they have offensive line, a tight ends coach, a running backs coach, quarterbacks coach, and they have like a, a whole slew of analysts all over the place, like a passing game yeah, coordinator I mean, and stuff like that. The hope is that there's somebody that's on the coaching staff that, you know, can – can help out there and can, kind of, but you're right. Like not being on the inside, not knowing how those responsibilities are, those responsibilities right. are actually giving yeah. up. You don't really who know actually, what needs who's to actually calling the shots on special teams. Like, right. I, I have no idea. I don't know who's teaching them. I don't know who, I don't know who has a hand in any of this. And that's, and that's also part of the frustration too, is we can't just be, we can't just look at something and be like, okay, this person is not doing their job. Not because you're looking for, not because you're head hunting. Cause you're like, Oh, this person needs to be fired. But it's more like, Who's actually running this thing and who can we look to and say, okay, this is the person that's responsible for this. This is the person that's making this call so we can address that issue. Well, and and, and, like, and also part no, of it too, like there's no, there's no indication. Like there's nobody who can have a press conference can talk about those difficulties. Like there's no indication of who actually sure. is ultimately responsible. Cause like, I know for, for Kansas, you know, like when, when Doug Meacham was, was supposed to be calling the plays, you know, back under, under uh, David Beatty, like, he would have his press conference. Like Meacham would actually get up on the podium and they would talk about it. And you could like look at his answers and see like, is, you know, do we have any kind of confidence that he knows what the issues are, that he can identify those issues and can actually fix them. And a lot of times that goes a long way towards, you know, quelling some of the unrest in the fan base is that they know that, Hey, you know, the person who's responsible for this knows that there's an issue and has identified it and is working towards fixing it. Sometimes that's all you need is just a, a an acknowledgement that we know what the issue is and we're doing everything we can to fix it. Like that's right. just that's, all the reason that was that was part of frustrating, too, is that like Matt Campbell's answer at the end, like. It gave me the impression that they don't really know what's wrong. <laughs> yeah, like, which is not I, a good they, like, feeling. <laughs> I mean, it's like and that's and that's like maybe they do know what's wrong and they can fix it. Just like that. I don't know. Maybe they can't. Maybe they know what's wrong and they know they can't fix it without new people. I don't I don't know. Or maybe they don't know what's wrong. And then this thing becomes a this thing becomes a festering wound throughout the whole season. And it just completely yeah. derails everything Iowa State wants to do. It, it's possible if they don't get the punting situation figured out, if they don't at least get the punt game figured out, then this is going to be continue to be an issue. Um yeah. So, all right. So, so I don't know. Rather than than uh, continue to bring the mood down with by talking about special teams, <laughs> let's go ahead and jump over. Before we talk about the offense, let's let's go to something that actually is working really well for you guys, which is the defense. Because yeah. yes, Baylor was able to score fairly quickly early in that game, and uh, you know, but it seemed pretty quickly that Iowa State was able to make the adjustments they needed to to really shut down the Baylor offense. And I think the Baylor offense is probably the best offense that they that Iowa State has seen so far this year. Um, so like you definitely take a lot of confidence. I think there that the bail or sorry, that the, the Iowa state defense knows what they're doing and is doing it really well. Unfortunately, they're just kind of being brought down by some mistakes throughout the rest of the team. Looking at this defense though, like how much has changed from what we, from what you thought going in at the beginning of the season, like who, who are the main contributors? Like, how does that scheme work? What are your, what are your general thoughts about this defense itself? Uh, the only thing that's changed about the defense is they're actually a little bit better than I thought they would be, which I thought they would be very good, but they're actually a little bit better than I thought they would be. Because the, the well-known factor, especially among Iowa State fans, is that you get about you get about a quarter, a quarter and a half, maybe two or three possessions is what you get against Iowa State too. That's when you got to try to get your points. Because after that, Haycock, Haycock makes adjustments and you're done. Like you're just you're done moving the ball, and that's just how it, that's just how it works. Yeah, which is what that's really worries me as as a Kansas fan because Kansas even more so than I think most other teams. 
you know, they have their game plan on offense and they don't really seem to make adjustments after the half, which is kind of concerning, especially when you're going up against a team like Iowa State that is really good at adjusting on their defense. Yeah, well, and like Baylor scored on their first three possessions and then didn't score. And then they didn't score on, on another offensive possession the rest of the game. They had 72 yards the rest of the game after the first three possessions. I mean, they didn't they didn't go anywhere because John Haycock is a damn mastermind. Um, they said they sit back and play conservatively for the first couple. They kind of lure you in like, man, we're doing good. And then you get cocky and then Haycox just, you know, takes out, take your knees out and then you're just going to have a bad time the rest of the game. The one, you know, one thing that did has one particular thing that has exceeded my expectations uh, is Will McDonald, because I mean, that was another guy we thought he would be good coming in this year. He was really good last year. We, we kind of assumed he would be good, but we weren't sure what his production would look like um, because he, um, presumably would get more attention, get double teamed more often, things like that. Well, he's at three and a half sacks, including a strip sack last week, um, through four games. So he, and he's drawing, he's drawn, I think he's drawn at least, at least one, if not two holding penalties every single game so far. I mean, people are trying to figure it out and nobody has figured out yet how to deal with Will McDonald. Even if he's not getting your quarterback, he is blowing stuff up all over the place. He's, he's, He's he's causing a lot a lot of problems for our offenses so far, um, so I've been nothing but I've been nothing short of absolutely blown away with how Will McDonald has continued to improve and to continue to just make offensive tackles look look childish. I mean, like uh, Iowa always has a good offensive line, and they had no they had no answer for Will McDonald, not one. UNLV had somehow had a worse time. They could not figure out how to deal with Will McDonald. Baylor didn't figure it out either last week. They had two holding penalties that he drew two holding penalties and had a strip sack. I mean, he, he's really good. I mean, he's a total game changer. He's he's a one man game changer uh, on that defensive line. And he can really mess some stuff up. Mike Rose has still been very, very good. Jay Cummel has been very good. Uh, Orion Vance missed a couple games because of injury. Uh, but his feeling, but his, uh, his uh, understudy Gary Vaughn has played very, very well. Um, he's been, um, you know, about as good as you could have as far as basically a, repla- a replacement level player um, for what you want. He, he's been doing his job and that's kind of what you ask out of him. Um, Secondary has been generally pretty good. They get the, the cornerbacks got a little bit bullied early in the game against Baylor. Uh, Anthony Johnson and TJ Tampa both gave up, gave up a, um, a catch on a, on, against a physical receiver. I think RGC was one of them. Um, but other than that, they've both been very, very good this season. They, they locked down in the second half last week. Um, Greg Eisworth's having a very good season. Ishim Young continues to be a human artillery shell coming in, just blowing people up and picking passes off. Saw yesterday he peanut he he peanut punched the quarterback one time. They didn't. I don't think they end up getting that fumble back. But like he like went and peanut punched the ball. I mean he the the dude just causes chaos and I love it. Um, that de- I I love this defense so much. It's it's very difficult to find a, a favorite player. It's probably Ishim Young, but it's very difficult to find a favorite player on this defense because they're all very good. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Like looking as a Kansas fan through the rest of the Big Twelve Conference, this is the defense that I was most concerned about coming in the year. Like I know that TCU is well known for their defense. Like that's that's their sure. bread and butter. Kansas State always has a a fairly nasty defense, especially when they play KU for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, this is the one that I kind of circled as like you're probably not going to be able to get much going here that you're not getting going anywhere else. And so I'm I'm worried that Kansas is going to, you know, have a really hard time getting any kind of points that if they're going to score, it's going to have to come on the other side of the ball. The defense is going to have to come up with some big plays to, you know, kind of do what we were talking about, you know, put Kansas already in field goal range when they get the ball back or, or you know, something else. 
because I just don't know what Keenan's going to be able to do, especially since, you know, their main attack is is the run the run game. Like, how how stout is this Iowa State defense against the run game? I, I honestly, I'm not really sure the best way to actually attack this Iowa State defense, if there is even a, a good option. Um, well, the best way to do it is to is, is basically you run some wide zone running concepts, which is what Baylor ran last week a little bit uh, to open the game. And then um, what Oklahoma State has typically done pretty well uh, against Iowa State against Iowa State and which is basically um, which is basically trying to push it. You're not pushing your running game too far off to the edge, but you're running like off tackle type stuff because that's where the that's where the crease is between because, you know, the, the way the Iowa State defense is, it really muddies up the line of scrimmage. So it makes it hard to run, like run through the line of scrimmage and it spills everything to the outside where where your linebackers and safeties can make can make tackles. Um, but in between your muddied up offensive line and spilling it to the and spilling everything to the flats where guys make tackles right in between. There is a nice little crease right behind the tight end um, that is that is. Jake Hummel or Mike Rose really has to be really smart about it and, and maintain ex- exceptional gap discipline um, to to really deal with that. So Kansas's best option is to try to is to try to spread Iowa State out a little bit and try to attack those little seams um, because there's I mean frankly there just isn't a lot of running room besides that. Yeah, I, I um, will say I do think that Kansas like you can. You can take a little bit if you're a Kansas fan of solace in the fact that they actually show the ability to get the run going a little bit against Duke. Obviously, it's Duke, which is nowhere near as good of a defense as Iowa State has, but they they at least seem to be building some confidence, doing some different things other than just you know lining up for you know 60 running plays as opposed to 20 passing plays. So like you definitely think there's an option, an opportunity for Kansas to do something and show something. You know, I, I I am not under any illusion that Kansas is going to have any kind of consistent success in this game. One, because it's up in Ames, and two, because, again, this Iowa State defense is absolutely fantastic. So, you know what? Speaking of other things that are super high quality, like, like the Iowa State defense, talking about our sponsor here on the Rock Chalk Podcast, and that is gridiron metalworks uh gridiron metalworks is where you can get high quality metal home goods for the college super fan in your life whether that's you or someone else find collegiate branded grill grates griddles or any number of home decor items including flower pots stainless steel bookends coasters and can coolers all are in actual school colors not just the oh it's really close colors that those other manufacturers use you know i i personally have the desk plaque which is a fantastic jayhawk head with kansas right next to it uh i have one of the bookends absolutely love that thing it, it looks fantastic and i actually had Gridiron, make me a sign that is my logo in metal that I hang up on the wall. Absolutely love it. It's absolutely fantastic. You guys have been hearing about it for the last couple weeks here. But, uh, you know, when I get a grill, I'm definitely getting a grate from Gridiron because, you know, can always use that that Kansas or if you're an Iowa State fan, you know, Iowa State grill. Absolutely fantastic stuff. So just go over to, uh, to, to gridironmetal.com. Use promo code CHOCK12. You can get 15% off your entire first order and all orders over 100% get free shipping. Everything they make over at Gridiron is high quality and made in the USA. And they continue to add new products for all the schools they have all the time. So again, go to gridironmetal.com. Use promo code CHOCK12 and get 15% off your entire first order. All right, Levi, before we get over to the offense, because I know this is going to be the other painful part to talk about, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to an actual break here to talk about the other podcasts we have here on the 1012 Network. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J. N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. 
If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, any place. Get at your boys. And we're back. All right, here with Levi Stevenson uh, uh, from Wide Right Natty Light talking about this Iowa State game. You know, uh, definitely got you in a little bit better mood talking about the defense. Hopefully, now we have to talk about the offense because this is a big issue, obviously. They've had some, some hiccups, some things that haven't been going nearly as well. And if you're a Kansas fan, this is probably your best bet, hoping that you can continue the struggles that this Iowa State offense has been having. But I, I want to hear from you. What do you think is the biggest issue that the offense has had so far for Iowa State this year? Uh, well, the biggest issue has, has kind of been finding an identity. I mean, not, not finding an identity, but the offensive line has, has had a little bit of trouble uh, getting up to speed. Fortunately, last week, the, the offense, at least later in the game, found a little bit of legs. It sounds like found a little bit of life. We finally got Brees Hall, but like the, the Brees Hall we all know and love uh, back. We got him back last week. Um, had a huge game. I was trying to just look up his yardage from last week. Uh, he had like 180-something yards. Pulling it up. Give me one second. He had like 220-something yards total offense. Let's see. He had last week at 190 yards on 27 carries and five catches for 51 yards. So, I mean, he had, he had uh, a 200, 241 total yards last week. So that's the, that's the Brees Hall we all expected at the beginning of the season. Um, he was breaking tackles left and right. I think someone counted up. He had like 16 or 20 minutes. I think he had 20 force missed at force missed or broken tackles uh, last week. Did everything you expect Brees Hall to do. Got Not to, to mention game. he was involved in every runs. single offensive score that they had. So, yep. or I'm sorry, yep. every single offensive touchdown that they had. So yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, he. I mean, he was every bit as as you expected him to be. Brock was. Brock's stat line looks decent. He was fairly efficient. You know, didn't didn't he only threw the one pick, and it was kind of, it was it was tipped at the line of scrimmage and just kind of bounced into into a defender's hands. It's kind of a, bad luck on that one. Um, but during the game, there was a lot of people that were pretty frustrated with. He just looked he looked kind of rushed. Um, wasn't going through his reads very well. So I don't know. That's that's kind of up in the air right now on exactly what this is. It's like it's kind of like the U and I game where like the stat line at the end of the game looks decent, um, but the actual game film itself looks a little shaky. So I, I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm hopefully Brock will get it figured out. It's just I'm not I'm not sure exactly what his deal with. It seems like it seems like he's kind of in his own head. I, I it seems like he's he's thinking too much, um, and he's worried. He's too worried about trying to make the best play every time instead of making a good play every time. Or well, you know he, he's trying to force things into Xavier Hutchinson. He's he's not, he's not looking around different receivers very as as much as he should. I, you know he I don't know something's not quite right with Brock. I'm not sure what it is, but something's not quite there. Well, you did mention the offensive line. I mean, how much of that because. Kansas fans are well aware of how, you know, a, a in, inconsistent or poor offensive line play can really mess with the quarterback's head. Um, I mean, how much would you say that is potentially that? Because, you know, I, I expected Brock Purdy to take a step forward. You know, we're not yet into October, but like normally, yeah, it takes him a little bit of time to, you know, to get there and to get completely ramped up to be playing the way that he's supposed to. But it definitely seems like it's taking longer this year than it normally does. Um, but like, so, I mean, how, how much of it is just early? It seems like it's taking him longer or how much of it is that offensive line play just hasn't been quite where we expected it to be at this point. Uh, generally speaking, the pass protection has been at least solid and generally pr- pretty good in a lot of games. So I don't think the offensive line is as much of an issue for him specifically. It was definitely an issue for, for Brees Hall for the first few games. He was not getting any running room at all. 
he was whatever he was getting was after the it was after contact and stuff like that. Um, so I don't think it's the offensive line so much. Like I said, I I think he he trusts Xavier Hutchinson and he trusts Charlie Kohler. And if it's not one of those two guys, he's he seems pretty hesitant to to go through his reads beyond those two guys. Um, which is kind of a shame because he's got some really nice players around there. And Chase Allen, he said Chase Allen a few a few times as well. I think he trusts Chase Allen. Um, but he's got some really nice playmakers at the receiver position. But for whatever reason, he doesn't. He just doesn't seem to trust him, or he doesn't. I, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. It's hard to say. Um, I, I think it's mostly in his head because I mean, yeah, we know he's got the ability. He's he's got the physical tools you need to be a successful quarterback. We we already know that. Um, but some something's just not. Something's just not quite clicking just yet up and up and up in uh, Brock Purdy's head right now. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to fix it. Um, but it's just kind of where it is right now. Is if if Brees Hall, if hopefully this is Brees Hall's up and going now. Because if you got Brees Hall, they can put up 240 yards of offense in a game. That that solves a lot of problems. Um, you don't have to. Have, Brock can just be a game manager. He doesn't have to go out and win a game by himself. Um, yeah, it's just kind of. Yeah, so I mean, I would say it's two biggest problems are Brock Purdy and special teams, and nobody knows how to fix either of those two things. Yeah, I I, I am kind of curious though. You did mention about how how Brees Hall kind of took off in this last game. Um, do you think that was more of there was enough other things happening that it finally started opening things up for him, or did something, you know, some sort of switch flip with with Brees Hall? The reason I'm asking is because Kansas, you know, has shown the ability if if they know where to attack on defense the ability to kind of shut down maybe an individual player but when there's so many options they get burned so easily so i guess what i'm wondering is is kansas best option is to try to find some way to limit Brees hall as much as possible and just hope that brock purdy doesn't finally get it figured out or is there enough else going on already that you know Brees hall is going to get his and probably go off for you know 400 yards against kansas no, you, you do what iowa does and you you stack the box you bet you bet your banker you you bet you uh put all your your uh put all your eggs in the basket of stop and brace hall and you make Brock Purdy beat you. Um, and it's not like, I, I don't like saying that because like, it's not like Brock Purdy's a bad quarterback. He's just, right. I, so he's just, I don't know. He's in his own head right now. It's just like right now you, you would feel better about your chances. If you're, if you're making Brock Purdy beat you rather than taking away Brock Purdy and then letting Brees Hall do what he wants. Cause, <sighs> cause there's only so much you can do about Brees Hall. And like we saw against Baylor last week, one Brees was getting more running room, so that's good. Um, and we kind of thought he would too against teams like Iowa that don't that don't stack the box um, and that and that play a little bit more spread out. Um, you kind of assumed that he would take a little make a little bit of a jump there, um, but he was also breaking tackles. He was forcing missed tackles. He looked really good, looked quick, um, looked strong, really hard to bring down. He means he's 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 really elusive, but also can he's perfectly capable of putting a shoulder into you and running your ass over. Um, and he did that to a couple of Baylor defenders on a fourth and one play last week. Yeah. Uh, just, just tanked them. Um, and that's a good sign. Takes more pressure off of, off of Brock. That's a good sign. But if I, if I were, if I were Kansas and the problem here too, is that I would say it's play calling is, is extra, like is extraordinarily predictable to the point where like most Iowa state fans, we've watched have enough of it at this point where if you're not looking at the screen and being like, okay, it's probably one of these two things. Like, like it's either going to be Brees whatever direction looks obvious or it's going to be, you know, looking for Xavier on a route on the other slant or an out route someplace. Like it, you can, you can make, if you make two guesses on every single play on what you think it's going to be, you're going to be right. Probably at least half the time. Um, just cause I would say it's offense is so predictable. 
it's incredible how predictable for as much pre-snap motion and everything there is, they still end up in formations to be like, that's going left. Like, like against UNLV, we were sitting in the stands and I was sitting right, right in front of my buddy Zach and we were watching, they, they lined up, Jarrell Brock was on the right in the slot. Chase Allen was on the left in the slot and pre-snap motion. Like Iowa State always does. Jarrell Brock and braces on Brock Purdy's left in the shotgun. Jarrell Brock motions into the backfield to Brock Purdy's right. Chase Allen motions across to the right side on just off of Charlie Kohler's right hip pocket. And I went, this is going to be a brief to the right off tackle. And, that's and it what was. happened. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And it, like, like I person that didn't, I didn't even play high school football. I just watch a lot of football and I've watched a lot of tape of Iowa state. If I can sit in the stands and be like, that's what's happening. What are we, what are the defensive players doing? Well, it's going that way. And <laughs> Yeah. It's super obvious. You can telegraph Iowa State's offense for every every you can always telegraph Iowa State's offense. Last year was okay because they were executing really well and they just kind of dared you to stop it, essentially. And they and it worked because they were, the offensive line was good. Everybody was playing really well. Um and they were just out executing people. And then you throw in little wrinkles here and there, like you have Charlie slip out into the seam or something like that and cause a lot of problems. Um, but they're not doing that. I don't know why. Part of it, part of it was early in the season. Charlie Kohler wasn't healthy, and I think he's still working his way there. I think he's getting healthier. I don't know if he's one hundred percent yet, but he's getting healthier. Um, but they're just not, not doing it for whatever reason. And what, what's also what's befuddling too is that when they get in urgent situations, two minute, two minute drills and stuff like that, they're really good. Like they they throw the ball downfield, they get guys open, they're running. Brees is getting running room. Whenever there's a sense of urgency, Iowa State's offense is humming really good right down the field four five six plays whatever it is like the one of the scoring drives against Baylor in the second half it was Brees for 30 chase for 20 Charlie Kohler for like 25 and then Brees punches it in boom touchdown that's it that's all there was to it it was like it was like watching it was like watching 2014 Baylor where you would just they would just they'd hit you for a few big plays and then it was over and that was then they ran the end zone just that fast and I don't I don't understand why they don't run with they don't play with that sense of urgency all the time I, I will never understand that. Yeah. It I know almost sounds like they're overthinking it. Like, in- uh, uh, Oh, 100% that's what happened. Uh, from, what, from what I can tell, that's 100% what's going on is they're way too far in their own heads. They're trying to play. They're playing like 5D upside down chess when everyone's like, this is just checkers, dude. Like there's no <laughs> reason you need to like, like they're beyond 3D chess, 4D chess. They're like, they're playing something totally different here. They're, 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 they're scheming themselves. They're, they're going reverse psychology against themselves. They're, they're so far into their own heads right now trying to just, just be geniuses all the time. It's like, well, you don't have to. You have the best running back in America. You have the best tight end in America. You have a you have the, probably the second or third best receiver in the Big 12, which is really good. Yeah. You have a lot of weapons, and you're just you're only using those, and that's it. You're not using anybody else to compliment them. You're just using those three guys and you're still really not doing a great job of it because you're so far into your own head. You're way overthinking this. And that drives me crazy. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely understand that. So, you know, at this point, though, barring some absolute weird thing, the, the easy way to get back on track <laughs> is to play Kansas because Kansas, you know, <laughs> gives you guys plenty of opportunities. You know, right now, I think I think what people are thinking about this Iowa State team is the lowest point it's been in a long time in terms of what's going on forward but there is a good opportunity for them to kind of get another one of these get right games and get themselves set up going into the 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 meat of the big 12 schedule here 
Um, but before they actually do that, before they play this Kansas game, I, I'm urging you guys to go ahead and visit our other sponsor here on the podcast. That would be Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. They have blended sports and the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams. You know, for example, like before Iowa State goes absolutely ballistic on Kansas and people start to feel better about them and their value goes back up. It's a good opportunity to jump in. Use use that sports knowledge you have to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol's offering a very special giveaway to the 1012 Network and here on the Rock Chalk Podcast. They're going to be holding a drawing to give away two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. All you have to do is sign up for Symbol, make a $25 deposit using promo code CHALK12, and you'll be entered into a chance to win two tickets to your favorite team's game this season. Just go to symbol.com. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use that promo code CHALK12 for your chance to win two tickets to win a Big 12 game of your choice. Uh, you know, I, I'm invested in Kansas. I've already got one payout. I'm hoping to find another way to get another payout from, from them at some point this season. Maybe that game against Texas Tech coming up. But, uh, you know, jump in. Find a team that you think is undervalued, invest in them now, get payouts when they win, you know, get more money when they, you know, appreciate and value, and then you can go ahead and sell them off. But um, go to Symbol, use that promo code CHOCK12, and, you know, start investing in your favorite teams today. All right, Levi. So let's go ahead and wrap up here. I don't think anybody realistically thinks that Kansas has a shot to win this game. Uh, let alone, oh, well, I mean, uh, maybe cover considering the line. The last time I saw it was at like thirty-three points, which is dude, ridiculously high. Taking Kansas on that, taking Kansas on that money line is free money, dude. Just or not the, on the line, no, the on money, the money line. line. I was, I was like, wait a minute, not the money line. The no, spread for sure. Taking Kansas on the spread, <laughs> taking Kansas on the spread is free money. There's no way Iowa State. I mean, if yeah. Iowa State, if Iowa State covers thirty-three points, like, well, that uh, means I that mean, Kansas is probably turning the ball over five or six times and they're getting defensive scores like I, that's not outside the realm of possibility I mean, maybe it, it, it kind of i mean 33 points is a lot oh agreed. I mean, that's an, agreed it's i mean it's like i mean it's an extra touchdown and a half per quarter or not even like yeah it's not like impossible like you don't need a crazy amount of turnovers to do it you just need to be basically you need to be successful in virtually all of your offensive possessions and you need to limit like it would have to be like uh, I mean, it had to be like a forty-two to six score. I went what thirty-three, yeah. So it had to be like it literally had to be like a forty-two to six score line or something like that. So it's like you don't you don't have to score a a million points to do it. Um, the defense is going to have to do really well. There has to be no special teams errors. I mean, I would say it have to would have to play like a, a darn near perfect football game to cover that. Yeah, if 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 Kansas scores two touchdowns before halftime, then I think that they probably cover. But the problem is, I don't know after halftime if Kansas is going to actually score anything because Iowa State's defense is going to be locked in on them at that point. So unless unless Kansas' defense is able to make it tough for Iowa State's offense, which I wouldn't completely rule out, but it's going to be very very hard. Um, like the main thing is going to have to happen because because Kenny Logan is you know out for the first half. He got ejected and from the Duke game because of a targeting call, which was a really weak call. We actually talked about that in the recap episode. Let me tell you. Um, you know, unless he comes in at halftime and just completely starts destroying things and, you know, giving them different looks and doing a whole bunch of stuff, which theoretically he could do. He, you know, played really, really well against Iowa State last year. Um, but I, I just, I don't know that I'm, I'm sold that, you know, if Kansas isn't super close going into half, that, that they're going to be able to stop, you know. And, and, and I think most Kansas fans remember last year when I think the line was like 25 points or something like that. And it looked like they were going to cover with like five minutes left. They were only down by like eight 
And then Iowa State scored three quick times to go ahead and cover at that point. So, you know, Kansas is a very, very bad record of giving up so many points at the end of the game that that they end up not covering anymore. But, (laughs) you know, I I am curious, though, if this is a game where Kansas is competitive um, with Iowa State throughout the entire game, what exactly or what would have to happen in this game for that to even be a possibility? Uh, Brock Purdy is going to have to turn it over a couple times, probably. Um, and there'd be a special teams, special teams error. I would, I would almost, I, even if, even if I, in almost any scenario, I would bet that at least some point in the game, Iowa state makes a, if not catastrophic special teams error, a, a very bad one, whether it's a bad punt or it's a bad, or, or they muff a punt or it's a, or it's a, a long kick return by Kansas, something like I, I'm to the point now where I would almost bet on at least one, Objectively Big bad yeah. special teams play. I would, I would virtually, I'd bet, I'd bet money on it. Well, um, and, and and so I guess I that's my my, my I, I guess my final question. We'll see, depending on on what we actually get in the answer here. But like, are you more worried because turnovers seem to have been a problem for Iowa State so far? Maybe it's just in you know the couple games, but like the the two games where there's an opportunity for them to be an issue, the Iowa and the Baylor games. You know, it's been a, it's been a fairly big issue. It seems with some inopportune turnovers at times. But also, like you said, special teams gaps. So, like, which one are you more concerned about? Which one do you think has a better chance of continuing throughout the rest of the season? I, I think I know what your answer is, but. Well, the turnover thing, there's a lot of, uh, if you go back and look at them, well, one, there was only one last week. It was just the one, one it tipped at the line. I, 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 I would assume the turnover problem will probably begin to subside a little bit. Some of those, some of the, I would say it's had some really atrocious turnover luck up to this point. I mean. The four of them, you know, four against Iowa, the one, the Brees Hall fumble, it, I mean, that was legitimately just Iowa forcing a fumble. I mean, Brees didn't really do anything wrong necessarily. I mean, they, they just kind of punched it out and it just bounced perfectly to the Iowa linebacker who was just standing on the goal line. And then you had the one that was tipped at the intercept that was tipped at the line um, that was, it just continued to carry them all the way out to the sideline. You know, that's terrible luck. Then Xavier Hutchinson just flat out dropped one and it went back and went behind him to the, into the linebacker's hands. So like at least, at least three of those turnovers were not Brock Purdy's fault. The first one was an under was underthrown. You could argue that whoever the, I think it was Xavier Hutchinson was the receiver on that probably should have done more if not to catch it, than to at least bat it down. So you could, you know, how much of those were Brock Purdy's fault? You know, it's debatable last, the fumble against UNLV was objectively, that was him hundred percent last week. I'm not going to put too much on him for a, ba- a pass that's was going to an open receiver, but gets batted at the line and, and just, ended up bouncing into a defender's hand. Those, I mean, those are all like freakishly bad. A lot of those are like freakishly bad turnover luck. And I, I would expect that to return to, to return to the mean at some point. Um, I would hope so. <laughs> um, if, if not, this is going to be a miserable season. If I have to endure just crazy ass turnovers and bad special teams this whole season, it's going to be, a, it's going to be miserable. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming the turnovers will begin to subside. Um, I, I think partly for my own sanity, I kind of hope that they do after this this Kansas game, though, because I would like Kansas to be somewhat competitive <laughs> sure. in this one. But, you know, we interact enough with all the other stuff that we do that uh, that I, I do not want a very moody and, and upset Levi for the rest of the football season. So, Levi, thank you so much for joining me. Um, where where can everybody find your stuff online? Um, my Iowa State self is all on Wide Right Natty Light, which is on Twitter. It's at Wide RT Natty LT. Um, wide right natty light.com we have a youtube page we've got instagram 
um, Facebook. We do a YouTube show on Tuesdays at eight o'clock called the nightcap, which is kind of our version of a late night show. We've got two other podcasts, Lightcast and down the pipe and Natty light. We go out each week. And then once in a while we have a third one that Meg jumps on and does. We, um, one thing we're doing now too, is we're doing a, a digital media guide every Saturday morning. That's on a Substack uh, that we, we put out on the Twitter account as well, where it's basically, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's got a, a special media guide cover that we do that we design every week. Um, it's, I don't know, it's pretty cool. It's, it's a cool little project and we've got uh, some extra articles in there. Some of it is our articles that we post on the site throughout the week in case people can't catch them. Um, but then there's some other ones in there that we put, that we throw in there that aren't on the site um, for some extra, extra stuff forever. So that's pretty cool too. Um, I do D and D podcast with Andy yeah, uh, with rolls and no luck. Um, trying to think what else. One other wide right night light thing. You guys do have a Discord server. I'm actually over yeah, on there as well. Server. Lots yeah. of fun. Everyone's welcome as long as you're not a complete jerk. Um, you yeah. know, it's it's absolutely great. Yes, it's definitely heavily Iowa State slanted, but completely understandable. I think everyone does given. a pretty good job of like playing cool with everybody else. Oh yeah, for sure, far. for sure. You yeah. know, there's there's a Texas A&M fan there who actually yeah. is you know really cool and and most Generally people cool, get yeah. along with really well. So. If, 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 only had if like you can have an A&M fan over so there, far. right, if you can have right. an A&M fan over there that isn't a complete jerk to everybody and everyone gets along with, then you know you're doing something right. Yeah, I mean, we've had the Discord server for like six months, and I think we just, we just, like, we haven't actually, I don't think we've actually banned anybody yet, and I think we've got, like, we've had one person that was kind of an issue or whatever, but that seems to have been taken care of. Yeah, uh, exactly, so. We, we often, no. <laughs> 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 no, but, like, I mean, Jen, I've been really happy with how this Discord server has panned out. I wasn't sure, like, what kind of engagement we would get, but we've got, I don't know what, 30, 40 different rooms. I don't know, 20 or 30 different rooms anyways, about all sorts of different stuff. Pretty good discussion about going on in basically all of them almost all the time. Um, it's a lot of fun. I, I, and, I, I, and there are a decent number of Kansas fans there. So you guys are more than yeah. welcome. If you're listening to, to come over and join us and, you know, especially prior to this game coming up, maybe, you know, talk a little friendly trash during the, during the game or something like that. We'll just have to have a yeah, fun time. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, Levi, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast and you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod or by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com. Now that we are on the Anchor platform, you can leave us a voicemail so that we can get your voice on the show, whether it's a game reaction, a question you have, anything like that. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise that we'll get you on the show. Um, we're on the 1012 network, have a bunch of great podcasts over there that cover all the teams in the Big 12. You know, I, I'm on the flagship show every single week where we recap what's happened in the Big 12 that week. Go over to 1012 Network on Twitter. That's at T-E-N-1-2-Network to catch all the shows that we have. A lot of great work that's being done over there. But that's going to do it for us today. Make sure you go visit our sponsors, Symbol, Gridiron. Use promo code CHOCK12 at both of those to get some really great deals. That's going to do it again for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.
If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.